And now, it's time once again for the show that gives glorious voice to 25 million business owners across the fruited plain. Radio Free Enterprise with Frank Felker. Thank you, Dude Walker. Yes, indeed, I am Frank Felker. Welcome back to Radio Free Enterprise. My guest today is Mr. Tony Mall, who's a marketing and sales expert serving the Global 2000. He's also managing partner of McLean Analytica and the author of a brand new ebook on the topic of selling into that marketplace that's called The Art and Science of Commercial Success. Tony Mall, welcome to Radio Free Enterprise. Frank, thank you very much. It's my pleasure being here today. Thank you for inviting me. Well, you and I have known each other for quite a number of years. We won't mention how many years it's been. And we've gone on some adventures together through the world of business. There's a little bit of time left at the end of our interview. Maybe we'll uh, throw in a war story or two for our listeners. But are you willing to do that? Absolutely. Absolutely. Hey, it's uh, we're all here as a result of our accumulated experiences. And uh, and that's how wisdom is generated. That's exactly right. Well, um, if we're lucky, if everybody's lucky, we'll have time to do that near the end. But the reason why I've asked Tony to come on the program today is because he's doing fascinating work in the area of marketing and sales. Now, regular viewers of the program know that uh, I, I love sales, unlike most people. I love sales. Tony loves sales as well. I've written about it quite a bit. I've done a lot of sales training. And I, I even have online courses um, trying to help people be better at marketing and sales. But the type of work that Tony does is very specific. And it's very difficult because he's looking to help uh, technical service providers sell complex solutions into big companies. And I can tell you, man, that's a hard mountain to climb. Uh, it's also a little bit of a complicated topic. And I want to, Tony, I want to do the best I can to break it down so everybody understands what we're talking about. But to give a frame of reference, I wanted to start by asking you to define who the champion is in your sales process and why that person is so important to your methodology of helping your clients succeed. Well, thank you for that question, Frank. My area of focus is in enterprise sales. These are uh, corporations. A lot of them are global. Uh, They have more than a thousand employees. The focus with the companies that I work with who are product companies focused on data, analytics, security, uh, privacy, those kinds of things. What they have to account for is there are a lot of people within the client organization, their prospects, that have authority and influence. So we're trying to identify who exactly is going to be their champion and then being a bit of a sifting process. They have to identify who is the owner of a particular problem, who has who touches that problem, what is the impact of that problem, how does that problem permeate itself across the organization. And then any one of those people could be the point man and ends up being your champion. Well, you also have to recognize that there's a, a real lobbying effort that has to occur within the organization broadly. Well, I, if I could dig into that just a little bit more, when you say champion, what mm-hmm. actions does a person take within the organization that makes them your champion? Are you saying mm-hmm. that this is one person who has seen the value of your solution and then you need mm-hmm. them to champion it as a verb internally? Or 
What what exactly do you mean by your champion? It, you're exactly right. It, as somebody who uh, identifies that the value of the product that you're bringing to them, that they have a particular problem and they believe that your product is able to solve that problem. Now, this is going to be what I would characterize as the challenger sale. This is different than um, a product that the company has already purchased. They've identified that this is something that can solve their problems on an ongoing basis. So as a result, they've established a process of how to procure that product. They know who owns it. They've got it uh, established within a department so that there is an official quote unquote owner of that product. And so after it's been incorporated in the business, it's a known uh, entity. They then go through a vendor selection process on an ongoing basis. And then you really get down into the, the nitty gritty of features and functions and how are you different? How much do you cost? Where I typically operate is in what we refer to as a challenger sale. This would be a new product. It introduces a different way of solving the problem. It may even redefine the problem for the organization. So then what the salesperson of that kind of product needs to do is to identify well, who owns this problem and who will then emotionally grab a hold of what you've got to say and say, yes, I believe that what you're saying applies to me and I believe that you can help me. And then that guy who says that then becomes your champion. So in the sales process, you're, if I could just paraphrase what you just said, uh, mm -hmm. you want to first identify who that person might be or perhaps several potential champions within the organization. Right. And then through hook or crook, find one that does get excited about what you're saying. And then this person almost helps you with the sales process internally to take this concept and, and make it manifest uh, because they're convinced that you have the solution to their problem and they want you to come in and fix it. Now, just as they're helping you, what I'm fascinated about with your methodology is you need to help them help them help you. And uh, exactly. yeah, and I think that's really cool. And it's something I hadn't really considered before. And hence uh, today's interview. So how can you or how can you help the champion, you know, champion your cause? You know, it's interesting. I think one of the, the best movies I mean, we, we think about business as being a, a very, it is a very deliberate process, but it, oftentimes that would be one step removed from the emotional aspect and that we really get into the nitty gritty of a, of a particular appliance or a product or, you know, those sorts of things. But I think the best uh, depiction of what I believe enterprise sales is about is the movie Jerry Maguire, where it is an intense personal relationship uh, between, this, between the two individuals. In uh, the case of uh, Tom Cruise and uh, Cuba Gooding, and you know what's you know what's in it for me? Where Jerry Maguire implores Cuba Gooding and says, "Help me help you," and it is that <laughs> personal relationship. Yeah, is that personal relationship around the problem? And so, what you do at this level is you market problems. In that way, we're not getting into well, what is it you're trying to get me to buy, and you get the resistance there. But let's just talk about. Let me bring myself around to your side of the table, and what are those big challenges? What do you think about every single day? This you is you saying some, this to your champion or to your prospect. Correct. Mm -hmm. You have to have a hypothesis. You've got to have an area where you uh, start. So you're going to target a role, somebody in a particular department at a certain level. Say that you're discussing uh, issues having to do with uh, security. 
and that, uh, and that it says security related to information. So these are digital assets, intellectual property within the organization. So who's the individual who has that within their purview? And that's going to be the chief information security officer. So what you do is you introduce yourself to the chief information security officer. You tell them what we see out in the marketplace. So this is the prevailing problem that we see amongst his peers at companies that are like him. And you're looking for agreement. Now, if he says, yeah, I've got that same thing, then let's get into, well, how do we solve it? How is it that we knock that problem down and we make him look like a hero in getting it done? So you haven't even gotten into the product of what you're selling. What you want to do is you really want to frame the problem. You understand what that problem means to him in terms of his own professional career and what it means to him to be able to solve that problem and make it go away. Now, once you get all of that aligned, then the other are details. Okay, let's go ahead and let's see what tools you need to make that happen. But if you start selling those tools before you even really define what he's motivated by, what that problem means to him, what mean, it means to make that go away, you're, you're wasting your time. And you're wasting his for that matter. You know, I, uh, everything you were just saying there, you, you wrote something recently that I think, uh, if, I may, if I may quote you right to your face, uh, that I think really hits on this. You say, uh, my personal view has always been that enterprise sales is not about features and functions. It's about the personal agenda, agenda of your champion within the prospect company. If you make that person the hero by helping them eliminate their problems, your sale will get pulled through and you'll get well paid in the process. I, I think yeah. that really synopsizes uh, your methodology. Would, would you agree with that? Absolutely. I, you know, all people are political and, and they, you have to be able to come in and speak to that individual personally and be able to say, what's in it for you? Everybody's making that personal calculation of, well, if I solve this problem or I don't solve this problem, what happens to me in terms of my, uh, role in terms of my ability to get a bonus, my ability to keep my job, my my the reputation that I have amongst my colleagues and peers within the within the business, and then also are you introducing yourself? You're they're going to be asking the question: Is this person credible? If I bring them into the organization, what kind of impact will they have on people's opinion of me? Does this person enhance uh, the opinion that others have that I think are important? Their opinion of me of my judgment of the kinds of people that I have around me. And so you've always got to be aware of that and that you've got, you cannot detract from the personal capital that that person has. You've always got to be enhancing. So that means everything that you say has got to be scripted. Everything that you do, the crispness of your actions, the accuracy of your, of your answers and the timeliness of your answers. You know, all of those things have a bearing on that person who's basically representing you into this company. And you got to be very, very mindful of protecting that person. Now, that also then uh, carries over into sales training and developing uh, enterprise, successful enterprise salespeople. You were just saying that everything needs to be crisp, uh, scripted, and so forth. And it, you and I, in uh, discussions previous to our interview today, you've talked mm -hmm. about how you've seen where one salesperson might follow one track and another salesperson might follow another track and so forth, and how destructive that can be to trying to close sales. So is this an area that you help your clients with? In other words, I don't know about training, but it, developing those scripts, developing those processes, and making sure that they're consistent across the sales organization. 
Absolutely. And not only just within the sales organization. My view is that there's product. You have the product that was built for somebody. You had a problem in mind that the product uh, solves. Then you have marketing. So after who are those people who, who match that persona that was originally in mind when that product was built? How do we find large numbers of them at scale? How do we then market to large numbers of them to be able to get their opinion, to start throwing at scale uh, our hypothesis out into the marketplace and start gathering market feedback very, very quickly across a large population of people? That's absolutely integral in being able to bring that learning back into the organization. And then for sales to then be able to take those leads, those introductions to prospects, and to be able to introduce and so how does the company buy? Who are the people who have authority and influence within the organization that can potentially help or block the implementation of my product. So it has to go from product, marketing, sales, feedback from the customer. It's got to go right back up to the top and mm -hmm. be able to loop. Companies that succeed are the companies that are able to take that information at scale, lots and lots of conversations and iterate like fiends <laughs> through the whole product, marketing and sales mix. And that's those are the people who win. You know, the likelihood of you getting it right, right from the very beginning uh, is infinitesimally small. So it's those people who learn, have their ears wide open, and that they're able to uh, react and anticipate based upon the information that they're receiving. So what you're seeing is really, is just uh, a number of very high speed, high volume experiments that are coming together until you feel that, okay, I've really locked this thing down. I know who my prospect is. I know who need, I need to go after. I know how they're going to buy. I know how they approve, go through this approval process. And you, you constantly, you take that initial success and you're constantly compressing it, compressing that time frame to accelerate sales cycles, anticipate the, the questions and the issues that they're gonna have until you get it down, locked down so tight that you're just whipping through these things in a rote process. That's very interesting. Uh Somehow my mind then went to uh, Tesla automobiles and how they've learned mm. the hard way how to manufacture yeah. at scale. And they right. did it by failing fast, failing forward, trying things, going through production hell, uh, and which is one of the things that comes to my mind, which is uh, it sounds like that sounds like a lot of work, Tony. And, uh, yeah. you know, it, but the payoff can be significant. So. Uh, I, would you talk now a little bit about your ebook that you've just published, mm -hmm. um, The Art and Science of Commercial Success, and talk about what, what sort of guidelines you offer in that book that could help organizations such as the ones we're describing succeed? Oh, yeah. No, it, it was interesting is that uh, the idea for the commercial success came from a conversation very similar to the one that you and I are having. Uh, this uh, gentleman that I was speaking with, uh, you know, close friend, is a, a chief medical officer and responsible for growth for a $10 billion healthcare company. And uh, he's also responsible for identifying acquisitions uh, for this company. And he related to me that he has a, a model that he works through. And that model is uh, discusses things like market traction, customer retention, patient, patient retention, uh, and the organization of the business. And so when he says that where I'm not able to see, you know, that there's not much more than a product or a product idea, that if they don't have market traction, they don't have all the stats that are needed to reinforce uh, efficacy of what they do, you know, that they're nothing more than just a really good, you know, potentially good product, then that company from evaluation, when he's willing to go out and buy them, 
uh, he's only going to pay maybe one time's revenue. He feels that the team is at risk. He feels that the CEO tenure is at risk and they're not really proven in the marketplace. But if they have all the pieces working, that they're truly executing as a commercially minded business, that they're in the marketplace and they're pushing forward, that there is retention and that there is a referenceability that's coming back from the market, then that company, he's willing to pay 10 times more hmm. for that kind of a company because of the confidence that it is a going concern and it's not something he's going to have to invest a lot of time and effort in trying to stand up. Just simply having a, a good idea or a good product, I mean, that whole idea that build it and they will come, uh, it couldn't be farther from the truth. And I think that you're seeing that in terms of acquisitions and the prices that people are willing to pay. So that, that conversation was the basis of building. So what is commercial success? It's more than just having a product. It's having a deep understanding about your customer and the ability to support that customer and have them make problems go away. So it's going to be a combination of your product, how you sell it, how you implement it, how you support it, all of those things coming together in a, in a comprehensive manner to make your customers' problems go away. That is the fundamental issue that, that product companies have to really get their arms around and nail that down for them to be truly successful in the marketplace. You're in the problem business. You're in the, you're like a, uh, it's the same way that you get uh, pest control. You don't really want to know about ants. You just don't want them. And that's the same thing. And that's the same thing with enterprise. You are really in the problem resolution business. You want to be, if, if you want to quote uh, Pulp Fiction, uh, you want to be the wolf. When the problem hits, you want to be the first guy who gets called. You know, as you were talking about that, uh, I'm reminded that you and I also talked because of the war stories we've uh, engaged in uh, together and mm -hmm. separately that, you know, on a personal level, when things aren't working and customers aren't buying, uh, it gets pretty scary. There's fear. You feel alone. Uh, you're concerned about your future and how, you know, you're going to pay the mortgage. At, at this, all of this stuff sounds great at a, at a high level, commercial and corporate level, but it comes down to individuals, as you were just saying, who have to right. get this thing across the finish line. And uh, right. I think that's a, that's one of the levels of experience that you bring to this, that not uh, every pundit is able to share. I, I've been a uh, I've been a founder. I've been uh, SVP of uh, marketing at very large companies. I've also been with uh, venture capital. Uh, funded startups. Oh yeah. You know, it really comes down to one guy whose credibility is absolutely on the line. And, and then whether it be enterprise sales or being the head of the company, uh, the, the emotional toll that is, you know, that hits people is incredibly high. And I think that that's part of what we, what I want to lay out in the ebook is how do I make decisions quickly? Because what happens is that the period of indecision, the longer that you stretch it out, the more it begins to chip away at your ability to persevere, your enthusiasm that you then have to convey to investors. I mean, how many times do you want to go back to investors and go back to your employees? You know, believe in me. You know, let's go up this hill one more time. We can win this time. I, I honestly, and this time we're going to get it right. It's funny. I heard uh, Steve Young when he was talking about uh, his history with the 49ers that he, uh, he had run out on the field and he's organizing the offense, he's calling plays, and then he throws an interception. And then you know, hearing the, the chatter from the team, they're saying stuff to him and they're running back to the sidelines. So they get the ball back and he runs back out on the field 
And he says, okay, guys, it's going to be different this time. Uh, you know, believe in me. We're going to call this play and we're going to make it happen. And on that first play of that second series of downs, he throws another interception. And then he really hears it as he's heading back to the sidelines. And if you think about it, that's just the Sunday afternoon in the professional football league. How are, if you're the CEO or founder of an organization and it's quarter after quarter, year after year, and after a while, people lose their enthusiasm for you, your ability to lead. They don't believe that you can make it happen and they leave you. And it, that is a terror and you are very alone. That Those memories are, are painful. And I, the faster you can get through these very, very critical decisions and engage with the marketplace and bring that information, better off that you're going to be. You're, you're going to be bringing in market stories that people can grab a hold of. It's going to coalesce the decision-making process within the organization and that qualitative learning has incredible value. And the fact that you're engaging and people are sharing problems with you and that, that also makes the employees enthusiastic and you can demonstrate to investors we're making progress and that when I say, believe in me, let's get up this hill it's because we're getting this traction having those stories is going to enhance your credibility. You need them. And Lord knows you and I have those stories uh, mm -hmm. from the past. You know, it's funny, uh, which would I rather have? Five 300-pound men snarking at me running off the field or one angry investor calling me at 2 o'clock in the morning? That's a, that's a hard call there. Uh, when that yep. investor call comes in, I almost wish I was out there with those big guys. But uh, oh. it it's pretty tough out there. Now, oh, yeah. Uh, yeah, please go ahead and finish that thought. Oh, the stories of investors uh, who have had to reboot—they're—they're uh, they're legendary, and the back—and it's incredibly hard. It's incredibly hard. We know from the statistics that you know the number of companies that have to pivot, and this is one of the statistics that I bring up in the ebook is that. 97% of companies out there, product companies that are launching new products have to pivot their strategy and only 7% survive. Now that's the, you really the have flip side of that is because only 3% get it right, right out of the gate. It's almost luck. I mean, it is luck that they got it right. And then as you're saying of the 90% who didn't get it right out of the gate, only 7% of those 97% will successfully pivot and that's a strong point, uh, and, and I think part of what you drive home in the book is they probably weren't willing to do the work that you describe. Right. Yeah, absolutely. And, that's, and that is, I, I think what happens is that you grab a hold of what happened. You confirm your thinking with a couple of stories that are in the marketplace, and you start to furiously run down a path without really validating against larger amounts of information. And what happens is that six months go by, you've invested in the sales and marketing team, You've, you've grabbed a hold of your original hypothesis. You've not brought in enough information to really challenge your own thinking. And that's really what it is. You've got to be open-minded open -minded enough, but then also closed-minded enough to persevere. So right. you, you can't believe so much of what you're thinking, but once you get to something that you, you can be confident in, then you have to then drive down that path aggressively. So it, it is a very much balancing effort that is can be difficult, but the way to make it easier emotionally, intellectually, how you are able to drive from a leadership perspective with investors and employees is to be able to gather this information at scale. Make sure that you attack the marketplace on a continual basis and then you've got this 
this information flowing in all the time so that you are confident that the representations that you're making to, to everybody involved, that they are as close to fact-based as you can get. It's not in opinion or innuendo, but it's, it's really the voice of the marketplace that, that you're responding to. That's great stuff. I feel like you and I could sit here and talk about this all day, but oh, uh, unfortunately, we're constrained by time. I did want yeah. to uh, bring up a, a war story that I think is applicable, at least uh, an example of something where you and I charged into a very large company and uh, tried to convince them to do something that was new. It was a new solution. I, I'm sorry to be vague, but, you know, if it's a big company. Everybody would recognize the brand name. And we just right. don't, you know, obviously confidentiality is a very important part of uh, being a consultant and, and helping people. Uh, so in any event, it's a large company, you'd recognize the name. And we were coming to them with, of all things, the idea of producing a television show that targeted their target market and also had mm -hmm. ancillary products that would be sold and marketed through the show. And they were sufficiently interested to give us a meeting. And uh, so we flew out to the Midwest and uh, we sat down with the vice president of marketing in this company and his whole team was there. And we were trying to tell them, you know, something that they'd never really thought of before. And um, right. in any event, we, we were unsuccessful in closing that deal. And I'm wondering if anything comes to you now. This what we figured that was 15 or 20 years ago or something like that. Uh, right. In any event, is there any lesson that we can be that you have drawn or we could draw or our viewers and listeners could draw? from that presentation that didn't succeed uh, that connects with the message that you're sharing with us today. You know, the irony of that situation that you're referring to is that product placement of integrating product into a, uh, a television show or a movie or some form of entertainment where you're reinforcing the use of that product and the value of that product and the enthusiasm around that product is now so commonplace that it's become, you know, we're, we're surrounded by it in terms of brand images all the time. So in a little bit, we were a little bit early. I think mm -hmm. uh, in that aspect, you know, we had, we had a great idea, but it was interesting in that they had such huge market share that their view was not how do we expand that market share and become a more dominant brand in the marketplace? Their view was, well, why don't, how do we hold on to what we've got? So they weren't in a growth mode, which is what we were really advancing to them. What we said, how do you penetrate new market segments? How do you reach uh, an unreached population? How do you do those sorts of things? And so understanding what their motivations were is like, well, what keeps you awake at night? And uh, their particular view is, how do I prevent my numbers from slipping? You know, I was in a defensive mode, not in a in a growth mode. So, I thought that was interesting in um, in 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 really analyzing who is my customer, knowing who is it that I'm trying to sell to, what are their motivations, and what do you think their problem is? And I believe that looking at it, his view of his problem was different than the problem that we were trying to solve. And I think if, the lesson I get from it is. Uh, if I had just asked him ahead of time, well, are you interested in growing your sales? Instead of, I've got this great television program and you got to see it, which is, you know, thinking inside the box, thinking about the features and functions and not, uh, I, I thought it could do great things for him, but it wasn't what he wanted. And uh, so you still got to wonder, why did he take the meeting with I don't, I've, we, again, we could go on and on about that forever. Tony, I really appreciate you taking the time. 
uh, to be with us today and to share all this great knowledge. Uh, if somebody wants to uh, reach out to you, maybe get a copy of your ebook or ask mm -hmm. questions about how they uh, you could help their company, what's uh, what's the best way for them to do that? I, I welcome them to visit my website, McLean Analytica, M-C-L-E-A-N-A-N-A-L-Y-T-I-C-A.com. And my contact information is there, and the ability to download the ebook is, uh, is, is easy. What I also welcome people to do is you're able uh, to reserve 30 minutes with me. And, and a part of my giving back and uh, trying to help other people through the hurdles that I see so, so readily is uh, to give them 30 minutes and let's just jump on a call and let's talk about how you're executing in the marketplace and what are those things that you might be able to do that, that are easy and quick to make your life easier. I will put links to the website uh, on the show notes, wherever you are uh, hearing this, watching this, uh, either audio or video. And uh, can they also reach out to you by email, Tony at McLean Analytica? Absolutely, please. Tony at McLeanAnalytica.com. That email Great. will come directly to me. Great. Well, Tony, I really appreciate you being here today, and it's really great information you've been able to share. Well, thank you very much, Frank, and I wish everybody the best of luck. This is a very difficult period with the pandemic, but you know, please keep your eyes and ears open. Listen to what the marketplace is telling you. Execute religiously, and just just don't be afraid. Attack, and and if the market is not telling you, uh, you know, listen to them. They are giving you good advice. Don't be afraid to pivot, and you need to pivot quickly on on uh, data and facts. Great stuff. All right, Tony, I will see you soon. Thank you very much, Frank. And best to everybody. Thanks again to Tony Mall, and thank you for joining us. Until next time, I'm Frank Felker saying, I'll see you on the radio.